Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. I want to share three thoughts really quickly this morning. I know that time is short. And, uh, you know, people say, well, you, ca you can't do anything quickly. Yes, I can. I can talk quickly. And I'm going to share three quick thoughts this morning in just a few minutes. And then we're going to close service with worship today. But there's some things that God has put in my heart for today that I want to talk about. I'm going to begin in Acts chapter 2. And then we'll look at two other passages out of the book of Acts. Life takes us to a lot of places. By that I mean there are a lot of scenes that come out in life. There are situations that you'll face in the next few days that you had no idea were coming. We try to schedule and plan our lives and control our lives, but yet life is full of surprises. But there's some things that we need to learn from God's Word to help us every place that we go in life. Every new place where life takes us, God wants us to carry some things with us. And I want to look at a principle today that I think needs to exist in the life of every believer. Look at Acts chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading at verse 42. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. If you don't have a, a Bible, it's okay. Last week, we taught from Acts chapter 2. We talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what happened in the first part of the chapter, especially the first four verses, on the day of Pentecost. And today, I want to follow up a little bit with the, with, with the connecting thought. But look at, at verse number 42. This is after Peter had preached his message and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit had come. Something began to happen. 3,000 people came to Christ in one day. 3,000 people committed their life to Christ, and the church was born among people from all different nations of the earth. Now, look at verse 42. These people, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Notice those words. The apostles' doctrine, fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Let's get down to verse 46. Verse 46 says, so continuing daily. Everybody say daily. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. What you begin to see here is with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, when the church was born and thousands of people came into the kingdom, suddenly their lives were affected and their lifestyles began to change. And they began to develop some brand new habits. They began to do some things, not just once on the day of Pentecost, but it became a part of their lifestyle where day after day after day, their lifestyles were changed and new habits were formed. Now look at verse number 47. It continues from verse 46, and it says, They were praising God. Everybody say, praising God. They were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, if I could this morning, let me real quickly in this first point just share several thoughts to tie together and then I'll tie them up with the main thought I want you to carry. When their lifestyles began to change in this new church, as the church was born, as God began to pour out his spirit and move in people's lives, one of the things that happened was they made room in their lives to receive teaching from the apostles. They began to gather together. They began to hear God's word taught, and they began to allow God's word to work in their lives and shape their lives and shape their lifestyles. And as that began to happen, a second thing that came along was what Scripture calls fellowship. 
Fellowship is believers, Christian believers, hanging out together, participating in doing life together. It's what we talk about here at the bridge, connecting people with God and then connecting people with people. God didn't just call us to be religious and go to church once in a while. He's called us to enter into a whole new lifestyle that involves fellowship, hanging out, doing life with other people. And then a third thing that happened was they also began to share meals together. I mean, it got to the point where, hey, come on over to my house tonight. We're going to have Bible study and we're going to eat together. Just come on. And they would go from house to house doing life together. And then finally, the fourth thing that you see here is, as a part of this new lifestyle came prayer. They began to pray together because Christianity, it's not about religion. It's about relationship with God. They begin to pray with each other and for each other. They begin to pray for things together. God was answering their prayers. God was doing amazing things. And now their whole lifestyle is affected and they begin to live different lives. But a part of that process, and here's what I want to focus on for just a few minutes. A part of that new life process was they made a place for praise. They made a place for praise. And first point today Praise has its place. Praise has its place. Say that with me. Praise has its place. You know what the place of praise is? It's every place. Everywhere. You see it in their lifestyles. With each and every day, they're developing these new habits. And one of the new habits is when we pray and when we talk to God, we include praise to God in this new lifestyle. So important to look at this. Last Sunday morning, as I told you earlier, I taught out of Acts chapter 2, the first part of the chapter, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And at the end of each service last Sunday morning, we did a worship song. And we just welcomed the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I got to tell you something. Last Sunday morning, both services, I did not want to conclude either service. I didn't want to end either service. We had to. We got children's ministries. We have things going on. People have plans. Stuff's happening. But I didn't want to dismiss church because the presence of God came in so strongly in this house that people just stood for minutes with their hands raised, just honoring God and worshiping God and welcoming the baptism of the Holy Spirit into our lives. And I stood, and as I walked away, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I'm beginning something new. You need to open up and let me work in this area. And the first thing that God spoke to me this week, I want you to hear this. The first thing God spoke to me this week was people need to develop a lifestyle of praise. Praise has its place. It's every place I go, everything that I do. I need to make room for praise. You know, in, in the early church, this habit of prayer, it, it began to grow and began to spread through the church. If you go back and research it, Jesus taught it first. Prayer and praise was a, tart, a part of prayer. You could not separate praise from prayer. Jesus said, pray this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's praise unto God. Understanding who God is, what he is, and declaring that he's the God of your life. That's praise. Jesus taught it. The disciples began to teach it in the early church. The apostles who followed, they began to teach it. The apostle Paul came along and he began to teach it. Paul said in the book of Philippians, when you're, when you're uptight about things, don't worry about stuff, but pray and end your prayer with thanksgiving and let God come in and settle things down. He went so far in the book of Colossians, chapter 4, verse 2, to say, continue earnestly in prayer and be vigilant, be watchful in prayer with thanksgiving. 
You know, for many Americans, prayers like this. God, I know you're out there somewhere, and if you could do this and this and this and this and this for me right now, I need it right now, I'd appreciate it. See you later. That's prayer. And we separate the heartfelt expression of praise to God. Many of us make no room. And some people say, you know, I, I come to the bridge church and I walk in the doors and I just feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Do you know why that is? It's because praise is like the welcome mat for the presence of God. When you begin to praise God, it throws out the welcome mat and says, God, come on into my life. Psalms 22, the psalmist one day wrote these words. God, you are enthroned on the praises of your people. You're enthroned on our praises. One translation says God inhabits the praises of his people. What it literally says is when we begin to praise God, we begin to build a seat for God to sit on, a throne for God. And the bigger we praise, the bigger the throne, the bigger the God, that God comes in. And the principle that we see here is praise is the welcome mat. Praise opens the door and says, God, I want you in my life. I believe you. I trust you. Come into my life and fill every single area of my life. And praise needs to be a daily part of our relationship with God. Some of you will go to several places this week. Every place you go, you need to make it a place of praise. Because praise says, this is who God is. This is what he does. And all of the places I go in life have got to bow down to God, his word, and his presence. So praise makes room for God to come and begin to work in our lives. Praise has a place, and it's every place in life. You know, after, as you, as you begin to read on, and, and we continue the book of Acts, you go from chapter 2 and then immediately chapter 3, I want you to turn there, and I want you to look at verse number 6, because even though days pass, the next historical event that you see in the church is Peter and John going into the temple. And as Peter and John are going into the temple, Scripture says they're walking down the road, and here's a lame man laying at the side of the road. And Peter and John walked up. Maybe they had passed him many times before. They probably walked right by him because he's right there on beggar's row. This man was born lame all the days of his life. He's been lame, sitting at the side of the road. He's a beggar. He wears the beggar's clothes. He's commissioned to be a beggar. And as people walk by, he says, give me silver, give me gold, give me money, give me something. And I want you to notice what happens as Peter and John walk by. Look at verse number 6 of Acts chapter 3. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And Peter took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And notice verse 8. So he, the lame man, he leaping up stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. I want you to see this picture. I know you're really quiet today. I know the rain probably really messed up your plans today. I know. And you're, some of you are still fighting depression over that. But I want you to follow with me a minute here. This lame man is healed. He's never walked in his entire life. He's laid on beggar's row watching people come and go, thinking, I wish I could be like them. And all of a sudden, this miracle happens. This healing comes. His legs are given life. And what does he do? He leaps up and he begins to walk. 
And then the next thing you know, he's hopping. And then he begins to leap. And he was so excited. I bet this guy was yelling and screaming and going crazy. Because God had just done something miraculous in his life. God's done something miraculous. Wow, this is cool. I was telling first service. This morning I got up early, as I always do on Sunday mornings, and I went in and ironed my shirt for service. It was ironed earlier. I ironed my shirt, and, you know, the, 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 the tails of the shirt, I was ironing, trying to get some wrinkles out, and I was having trouble with a couple of wrinkles, and I, I started to reach for the spray starch. But I didn't. I got the steam working, and I got the wrinkles out. But, you know, can I just say something this morning? Some of you need to quit using the spray starch before you come to church. Because some of us are so stiff, we're, we're afraid we're going to rip the shirt if we lift a hand. And I'm going to tell you something. We've got people who are coming to church here, and they're walking in the doors, and spiritually they're broken, they're hurting, they're maimed, and they're walking in, and the power of God is hitting them. And they get up, and they're like, yeah, yeah. And we sit back like, well, look at these crazy Jesus people. Friend, you need to experience something to make you jump and leap and get excited, and we need to start expressing our praise and our appreciation to God. God deserves our praise. And the second point is, there are places... Where praise comes really, really easy. And I, I'll be facetious for a moment. If you can't praise God in this building on Sunday mornings, you're sure not going to be able to praise him during the week. Because it's a lot easier here than it is other places. This is a great place to learn and develop the habit of giving praise to God for who he is and what he is. Welcoming God's hand to work in our lives. Our lives need to become places of praise. You know, after the day of Pentecost and after this event, this man was healed. As soon as this happened, persecution began to hit the church. But for a few minutes, for a day, this man has the spotlight. Has God done anything good in anybody's life the last few days? Huh? Well, can you get the starch out this morning and make up your mind? I'm going to give God thanks for what he's doing. Are you, are you getting this? Well, well, why should I do that? Because it welcomes God to come in and do more when we have grateful hearts that are expressed to him. God shows up when we praise him. You know, when I was a kid, I was probably 12, 13 years old. I've told this story, and I'll give you the short version. One Sunday night, they brought a lady to church in the back of a station wagon. And they, they wired a speaker from the sound system and sent it out to the station wagon because this woman had been given up on. The doctor said she's not going to live. She's crippled. She's had these back surgeries. She can't move. She's got all kinds of infections and complications. She's going to die. She only has a few days to live. They brought her to church as her last request because she said, if I can just get to church, God will heal me. They brought her to church in the back of a station wagon and set it right outside the, the building in the first parking space on that side of the building. In the middle of church, the pastor prayed for her. He prayed for everybody who had needs, but he said specifically for this lady. And I remember the day, I remember her name, I can remember it so well. We began to pray and begin to praise God, and we waited and we waited. After several minutes, there, was, there were side doors at the front of that building. Those doors opened up. This woman came walking in with this great big back brace she had to go back to the back and take off, walking in waving it over her head. And I'm going to tell you something, praise exploded in that house. 
And it was easy to praise God because we had just seen an absolute miracle. But friend, I'm going to tell you something. When God does something great and restores your strength, you need to stop and give God praise when it's easiest because he wants that praise. He deserves that praise. But then number three, look at Acts 16. I'm almost finished. One more main thought I want to give you. Number one, we said that praise has its place. It needs to be everywhere, every place. Number two, there are times when it's really easy. There are places where it's easy to praise God. But number three, there are also places and times when it's not so easy to praise God. In Acts chapter 16, as I told you a moment ago, with the growth of the church came persecution. It started at Jerusalem. The church was under so much pressure, the people began to run and take the gospel with them to other parts of the world. And then we see this picture in Acts 16 where the Apostle Paul goes into the city of Philippi with his friend, another, another minister whose name was Silas. Paul and Silas go to this town. They begin to preach the gospel and people begin to come to the Lord, just like in Acts chapter 2. But there's this one girl, this one young woman who's following them around. And she's known, she's really a fortune teller, a soothsayer. And what the deal was, according to Scripture, she was possessed by a demonic force, by a power of the devil. And it brought her the ability to call up people's past and know their past and then make projections about her future. She was a fortune teller. And she was pretty accurate, especially calling out the past. So people from all over town would come to her and say, tell me my fortune. And she'd tell them what's going on, and they would have to give her so much money for having her fortune told. Well, this woman begins to recognize that the true power of God is working in Paul and Silas's life. So she starts following them around because she's curious what's going on. And then she begins to cry out day after day, listen to these guys. They know the way of salvation. These are men of God. Listen to them. Well, it created a lot of confusion because here's this woman possessed by a devil who's giving glory to Paul and Silas in the ways of God. After several days, Paul got tired of it. He turned around and just pointed at her and commanded the devil to, came out, to come out of her, and the spirit left her. Great news. I mean, it's one of those walking and leaping and praising God moments. The problem is the men who owned this woman, she was a slave. The men who owned her got furious because now she lost her ability to do her fortune telling. And they were so furious that they stirred up the leaders of a town, and they came out to get Paul inside us. Now, look, if you would, at verse 22. Acts 16, verse 22. This is the last scripture we're going to read. Then the multitude rose up together against them. The magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. 23. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. And having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, I love these words, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were groaning and complaining, wanting some neosporin for their wounds. <laughs> Pass the rubbing alcohol. No, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loose. Unfortunately, not every place in life is an easy place. 
Some places are difficult. Some places are really complicated. Some places in life are painful. And one of the things I've found through the years, it becomes so easy for us. When we get down and things aren't going well, we begin to question God and question our relationship with God. We begin to blame God and blame other people and get negative about the situation. And oftentimes, we sit down and just fold our arms and say, I've got nothing to praise God for. Can I just suggest to you this morning, the one time you need to praise God the most is when things are going tough. Paul and Silas, they've been beaten, they're bruised, their skin's broken, they probably got wounds, blood's oozed out and dried, and every little movement just begins to crack and it hurts. But at the midnight hour, at the darkest hour of the night, what do they begin to do? They begin to cry out to God and pray and sing praises to God. And all of a sudden, the jailhouse begins to rock. It begins to shake. The earth shakes, and all the chains fall off all the prisoners, even the stocks on their feet. And they get up and walk out of the inner prison through the outer prison, and then they go outside declaring the goodness of God, still continuing to praise their God. What a story. What a story. Can I tell you this morning, sometimes the only way out of your prison is to praise your way out. Sometimes the only way out is to praise your way out. Out. We cannot allow life's places to determine the size of our God. We can't allow life's challenges to determine the size and the quality of our praise. I believe, I believe perhaps the purest praise of all is the praise that comes from the lips of the one who's in a difficult situation saying, God, I trust you and I believe you and I know you're going to turn this situation around. That's praise. That's praise. Hebrews talks about sacrifices of praise. When we begin to open our mouths and honor God, even in tough situations. In closing today, I mentioned the psalmist earlier in Psalms 22. Psalms 22 is where we find those famous words in verse 3 that God inhabits the praises of Israel, the praises of his people. He inhabits the praise of those who lift their voices to welcome him. God shows up. But if you go back and read that in context, the first two verses of that chapter, we find that the psalmist, at a difficult moment, wrote these words, the same words that Jesus uttered from the cross. The psalmist said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me in the words that I cry out? I cry in the night season. I lay on my pillow and weep, and it seems like you don't hear. God, where are you? But then in verse 3, in the middle of all of his strife and trial and trouble, like Paul and Silas, he began to say, but you are holy, and you inhabit the praises of your people, so I'm going to praise you today. I don't know what's going on in your life, but right now, right now at this place, at this time, we're going to welcome our worship team. We're going to stand to our feet and we're going to lift our hands to heaven and we're just going to praise God for his goodness and his faithfulness in our lives. If you would join me, please.